welcome back to The Federal Drive with Tom Temin. Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Commercial vendors would have a much bigger share of military space activity under plans of the newly formed Space Development Agency. For more about this new DOD agency, we turn to its director, Fred Kennedy. Mr. Kennedy, good to have you on. Hey, good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Good. First of all, tell us about the Space Development Agency, what its specific mission is, and where within the DOD pantheon it lives. The Space Development Agency was stood up back in March by Acting Secretary Shanahan uh, with the idea that we need to go faster in space. Uh, we've been in space for quite a long time. Uh, obviously, uh, the Department of Defense has been building space systems for the past almost 60 years. Uh, but we've taken a, a very uh, deliberate approach to it, which uh, turns out to have been a great idea as long as we've been living in sort of a space sanctuary. But we're seeing greater and greater threats coming along uh, from some of our potential adversaries, peer competitors, and it's time for us to move a little more quickly to respond to those kinds of rapidly emerging threats. So the Space Development Agency is an intentional activity. Uh, the, the thought here is that we will be able to move very quickly. Uh, we will use commercial capabilities wherever possible to respond to threats on time frames of, say, only a year or two. And that's that's very much uh, in opposition to some of the things you'd see today. Uh, we typically take a decade or longer to field capabilities to space. Uh, we tend to favor exquisite systems. We tend to favor expensive systems that require significant test. And, uh, and there's frankly, uh, to be honest, there's a culture of risk aversion uh, in the space community that keeps us doing that. So all that review, all that test takes a long time, and that's simply not compatible with the idea of responding rapidly to emerging threats. You mentioned threats, but also the technology is changing too, isn't it, with the increasing commercial ability to launch low-priced, high-volume satellites that can perhaps do what DOD needs to be done also. You, you are absolutely right, and it's that confluence of threat and opportunity that is so exciting right now. I think we're kind of at an inflection point in, uh, in history in terms of what we're doing in space. This, this is a golden opportunity for us to jump on the commercial wave, uh, get together with a lot of commercial new space actors, and figure out how to build out a new architecture for the Department of Defense. Uh, with the mega constellation providers, the folks who are going to be going off to build hundreds or thousands of satellites in low Earth orbit for commercial broadband, uh, it's possible for us to uh, make common cause with those folks and put up some very interesting and very unique capabilities that would have been very expensive if we were to try to do it ourselves. So you, you may be looking at uh, SpaceX crowd, Starlink systems, Telesat, OneWeb, and a whole host of other folks that are out there working very hard and uh, piling on a ton of uh, commercial investment dollars to make that happen. And what are the major threats that have emerged? I know there's been lots of stories about China zapping one of its own satellites to show what can be done and so forth, but what are the major threats? Well, there's a, there's a couple classes of threat. Uh, the first would be the direct threat to our space systems, and that could take the form of uh, anti-satellite weapons, uh, rockets, uh, lasers, high-powered microwaves. There's all sorts of ways to destroy satellites. They turn out to be fairly fragile items, generally speaking. Uh, the other concern that we have, which is building and which is becoming more and more of a problem, is the indirect threat. Uh, our peer competitors, our adversaries, have had ample time to figure out that we rely very heavily on our space systems, whether that's a global positioning system, early warning for ballistic missile detection, any number of things, communications. They know we've been using these systems and they confer tremendous advantages to us in the warfighting domains. 
And they recognize that uh, one way to get around that is to start building weapons and platforms that are hard to detect from our space systems. And so we're looking at, for instance, uh, hypersonic systems that are being developed by our adversaries that are intentionally designed to evade detection, both by ground-based systems and by space-based systems. And so if we're, gonna, if we're going to be able to respond in an agile way to those kinds of threats, we're going to have to be able to put together capabilities on a much shorter time scale. And so that's, that's what we're really faced with. In other words, reliance on maybe large arrays of inexpensive satellites give more resilience and, and disaster recovery capability than reliance on very expensive single birds that take, as you mentioned, 10 years perhaps and billions and billions of dollars to get into space. You've said it. We've been living in sort of an eggs-in-one-basket approach. I like to call it Battlestar Galactica. We build one expensive platform. It takes us a decade or longer to build it. It takes billions of dollars to get up there, and we make sure it works because it's, it's our only option. If we can move to a much different uh, mindset, if we can move to uh, large arrays or large constellations of very small inexpensive systems, that's a totally different ballgame, and that's where we'd like to be. And there's, there's value from, from both the standpoint of being able to put it up quickly because there'll be production lines that will be running hot and will be able to pull birds off potentially. Uh, but there's the other issue of having lots and lots of something is much, much more resilient than having a single thing. Uh, we see that in the maritime domain with the aircraft carrier, and we see it in the space domain with, uh, with large, exquisite satellites, of which we only have a small number. We're speaking with Fred Kennedy, director of the Space Development Agency. And how do you convince Air Force and Navy and other armed services brass that this is the way to go? Because they've got a lot invested in the old way. That's always a good point. Uh, you know, I, I had mentioned uh, when we were at the Space Symposium out in Colorado about a month or so back that that uh, it would have been fun to have called this the Space Disruption Agency. But disruption is always painful. Uh, and disruption is uh, never welcomed <laughs> by, uh, by many members of the, uh, of the current culture. But the truth is that we need to disrupt our culture in order to disrupt the calculus of our adversaries. And so what we're seeing is we are seeing a groundswell in all the services and across the community to go off and do something like this. Uh, we're not going to call it a panacea. We're not going to say that this is the only way to, uh, to get our job done in the future. But this represents sort of a hedge. Uh, you know, I would say it's a, an educated, you know, very well-educated bet in terms of uh, another strategy we could pursue in order to get inside the turning loop of our adversary. So with the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, uh, there's, there's significant support inside all the services to go off and do something like this. We've, uh, we've seen a lot of interest. It sounds like you've got both acquisition challenges in steering DOD to be able to buy these types of services, and then there's also a technology challenge which is adapting the services that DOD needs to the commercial services and their priorities. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a very good point. Um, I, I, can, uh, I can address the second. In terms of the technology challenges, uh, one of the reasons we are so um, energized and interested in jumping on board this right now is because we see all the significant commercial investment that's pouring into this arena. And the fear is, is that if we don't get on board now, we'll wait five or 10 years, and all of these systems and services will have solidified. Uh, they'll be provided, we'll be able to purchase them. But if there were any militarily unique capabilities that we wish we could have had, we won't be able to get them 
this is the time to get together and collaborate with the commercial sector in order to make sure that uh, the DOD requirements are going to be met. Is there also the danger that as the commercial sector, the Googles of the world and the SpaceXs, and they, they're talking about fleets of low-cost types of satellites in different orbits, could China come in or Russia come in and make deals with them that could preclude the U.S. military from using them? Well, I think that's a, a great point. Um, there's no doubt that all these services will be, uh, will be provided to an international suite of customers. So you can expect uh, everyone to be on board. This is going to be a space-based Internet. Everybody will be playing uh, folks from all around the globe. So the question will be, how does the Department of Defense uh, get involved in this kind of activity and ensure data integrity and data security? Uh, that is one of our primary challenges, and it may require us uh, to do a fair amount of work on things like encryption to ensure that if we use commercial services, you know, we, are, uh, you know, we are appropriately secure as we push data through these networks. That, that is absolutely a concern. And just tell us where the Space Development Agency, what does it report to, and how is it organized, and are you fully stood up yet? Well, we certainly aren't fully stood up yet. We've, <laughs> we've, been, uh, we've been putting together the organization since only about the 12th of March. Uh, I report directly to the Undersecretary of Defense for Research and Engineering, uh, Dr. Michael Griffin. Um, and we are currently sitting uh, in the Pentagon, and we've got about six or seven staff members, but we hope to be... Uh, up to maybe 20 or 30 uh, by the end of the year, and that's, uh, that's goodness. We always want to stay lean. This is not supposed to be a large activity. If we're going to move quick, we can't have hundreds of people. Uh, what we're thinking is that by the, uh, by the end of next year, we may be up to roughly 100 government personnel, and I'd like to hold it there. I don't have any intention of ever growing any larger than that. If we're going to move quick, we, we, can't, we can't become bloated. We can't get too big. Fred Kennedy is director of the Space Development Agency. Thanks so much for joining me. Well, thanks very much to you, Tom. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand by subscribing at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Still to come on Federal News Radio, DOD updates a website designed to help the children of service members with their unique challenges. But first, what FAA oversight of airlines looks like to people who deal with it every day. It's the Federal Drive with Tom Temin. Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network.